Advancing innovative research, academic excellence, and family-centered care to transform outcomes for children around the world. Children's Mercy Kansas City presents the audio interview series, Transformational Pediatrics, with host Dr. Michael Smith. Our topic today is rehabilitation for amplified pain syndrome. My guest is Kara Hoffert. She is the Director of Rehabilitation for Amplified Pain Syndrome at Children's Mercy, and she's also the Assistant Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Missouri, uh, Kansas City School of Medicine. Dr. Hoffert, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to discuss um, this somewhat unknown condition in pediatrics. Well, why don't we start there? What exactly is amplified pain syndrome? Um, so amplified pain syndromes is an umbrella term that actually includes juvenile fibromyalgia, complex regional pain syndrome, um, localized pain, um, neuropathic pain, central sensitization syndrome. So it's more of a catch-all term um, that refers to conditions where children's perception of their pain is increased due to the abnormal firing of nerves, which sends pain and control vascular tone. So, hence the word amplified, right? So, and what uh, what age correct. group are we? Re- yeah, what age group are we looking at mostly here um, for amplified pain syndrome? So, the range that we typically see in our clinic is about age ten, which is definitely on the young side. But age ten to um, seventeen or eighteen years old, um, the majority of our patients though are about age um, thirteen to sixteen, is um, where the the most fall, and about eighty percent of patients are um, female. Right, so that's about what we see in the adult population again for a lot of these pain syndromes. What, so what? Any any recent research kind of highlighting some of the causes of of these pain syndromes? Anything new out there that you find interesting? So these pain syndromes really um, are a result of a very complex biopsychosocial model. Um, so there's definitely um, in both in animal models and in human research. Um, showing in um, basically an overactivity of the nervous system um, that's firing specifically the sympathetic nervous system, um, sending too many pain signals and they're too great in severity, also affecting um, vasculature as well. Um, and basically um, that pain signaling is also influenced by um, genetics. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we have found that there are genes associated with chronic pain and it's not unusual to find chronic pain running families. And we know that the hormonal system is involved, and often we see the emergence of these pain syndromes as our patients are hitting puberty. Um, a lot of my female patients notice that um, every time, every month when they have their periods, that their pain is much worse um, around that time with those hormonal fluctuations. Um, research is showing that there are even changes in the immune system long-term in patients who have chronic pain. So basically, there's no system um, that's not affected by pain. Um, And we know that there's this physiologic and nerve and blood vessel component. And ultimately, with the blood vessel piece, we know that um, it's hypothesized that the uh, the blood vessels actually will clamp down, which increases lactic acid in the body, which decreases oxygen delivery, which further sends additional pain signals to the brain. Because of that, you get autonomic symptoms with pain, such as dizziness, swelling, color changes, um, and so a lot of interesting um, symptoms that patients will complain of. And then on top of that, we also talk about the fact that as much as this starts out as a true nerve and blood vessel issue, and there's a lot of pathophysiology that we, that we know about and we don't know everything, but in addition to that, being in pain, of course, is a very emotional experience, and no one is actually created to endure pain all the time. 
And so being in pain all the time increases stress. Stress further increases pain, which further feeds into that loop. Um, and being in pain, of course, increases feelings of sadness and anxiety and depression um, and nervousness. And so a lot of those things start to emerge in our patients as well. And then most of my patients, because their pain has become so severe and so disabling, they're not in school anymore. They don't do the sports they love. They're not doing things with friends and family. Their lives are very altered. Um, and not to mention the fact that the families usually are searching the country for a diagnosis. They're searching for treatments, um, usually to no avail. Um, and it's very frustrating. Um, and so just right. even the stress of that further increases their pain. Um, and so it's just a very vicious cycle. Yeah. So I, I want to get it. Obviously, treating this is 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 going to be very challenging mm-hmm. um, just based on the fact that there's a multifactorial etiology here going on. But but before we get there, what's the role of the of the primary care pediatrician in all this? Um, at, at what point do they need to realize that, OK, I got to send this on to mm-hmm. a place like Children's um, or, or what do you do for the primary care physician? Are there are there workshops, educational opportunities for them? What role is Children's Mercy playing in that? I think that's a fantastic question because I think that primary care providers have a huge role in this. And sadly, there's a lack of education um, about pain in general, even in our medical training. Um, and it's, it's I, I actually didn't have a single class on pain when I was in medical school. And it just happened I'm not that, sure if I did either now that I think about it. <laughs> mm-hmm, right. And so I just happened to stumble upon a mentor who was doing this um, in, in Philadelphia. And, you know, I... I loved it, and I saw how disabled these patients were and that they can actually get all the way better. Um, And, you know, so most pediatricians just aren't armed with the knowledge and the education to know what to do with these families. On top of that, um, our medical system isn't really meant for um, pediatricians to get to spend a lot of time with their families anymore. Um, And so the amount of time that I spend with these patients on a new visit, I usually spend an hour and a half to two hours with a family. but that being said, I'm building a rapport with them, and I need to get that time for the medical history. The benefit that the pediatricians have is they've established a relationship with these families already over time. And while it's really important to work out pain adequately and make sure we're not missing an inflammatory condition um, or an orthopedic condition, the reality is a lot of these kids have probably a little too much medical workup, which further can um, continue their pain cycle and oh. over-medicalize them and even make them worse long-term because the continued fear and worry about what's happening can actually make this worse. Um, so there comes a point where a pediatrician, if all the labs are normal, if the imaging is coming back normal and there's still a lot of pain and the pain is just out of character and just greater than you would expect for what you're finding with your workup, then it's probably time to talk about these types of conditions. Um, And so we definitely have a lot of resources through our website available for pediatricians through um, our our pain management and RAPS um, website. Um, I have been talking at the AAP for the last two years, or actually this this will be my third year coming up, to discuss amplified pain syndromes and what the general pediatrician can do. And we're actually in the works to develop um, an educational seminar hopefully next spring here at Children's Mercy that will be open to um, area pediatricians as well. Yeah, so I'm speaking with Kara Hulford. She is the Director of Rehabilitation for Amplified Pain Syndrome at Children's Mercy. So in preparation for this, Dr. Hulford, I came across an interesting statement uh, at, uh, from Children's Mercy about the treatment of APS, and it says that treatment is as unique as the condition itself. 
Can you explain that for us? Sure. That's incredibly true. Um, so this is a confusing condition, first and foremost. Um, every patient looks different from the next. Some patients look different day to day, so it's confusing to medical providers. These kids can be hard to diagnose, hence they go a long time without a diagnosis um, and without a treatment plan. Um, but the way that we treat this, because this is a nerve and a blood vessel condition of the overfiring of the sympathetic nervous system um, and all the down trail effects from that, um, and this is not an issue with bones or, um, or muscles or other types of organic causes in the body, um, we treat this a little bit differently. Normally, when someone has pain because of an illness or an injury, we tell them, you should rest, you should take it easy, don't do that anymore. But when you have pain from amplified pain syndromes and these nerve-related pains, we actually go very different. And our mantra is, if it hurts to do something, that's what you should do. So you actually have to start working through your pain and working on function because function comes back before pain goes away. So that basically means you need to be able to walk a long time, do your sports, go play with friends, be at school all day every day. That's function. You actually have to be functional for pain to go away, which is completely unfair. Ideally, right. your pain would go away and then you would be functional. But that's not how this works because you actually have to retrain your nerves and blood vessels to know what normal is again and train your brain to see what normal is. As I tell my patients, if it hurts when you start walking and it hurts a lot, yet your bones are healthy, your muscles are healthy, those nerves are sending an alert system saying there's danger with walking. And if you're walking and you stop walking because of pain, you basically just told your nerves they did a good job by firing that pain signal. So the next time you start walking, they'll be sure to fire that same signal again, but bigger, badder, louder. And so the key is that if you continue walking despite pain because you know you're not injuring your body, you actually send a signal to the nerves that walking is not dangerous, and it will cause the nerves to, what I tell my kids, get bored um, and stop firing because they'll recognize that that's not something dangerous and there's no reason for them to fire. So you actually have to work through your pain and do things that are really hard. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, so tell us a little bit about the specific program that you have at Children's Mercy, the, the Rehabilitation for Amplified Pain Syndrome. What, what, uh, what's the typical you know, uh, office visit for, for the patient? Yeah, so the RAPS program itself is actually a more intensive day program for patients who have failed traditional outpatient therapies. So I first evaluate patients in um, our multidisciplinary pain clinic where they see myself, a pain psychologist, social work, and also get um, additional teaching from nursing. And so it's a pretty lengthy first visit. They're there typically an entire morning um, just learning about the different ways that we need to work on their pain, um, both physically and emotionally. Um, and so based on that visit, we determine if a patient is eligible for the RAPS program, which is our intensive pain rehabilitation program. So every patient who leaves our clinic, for the most part, leaves with the recommendations of a four-pronged approach to getting better for the amplified pain. So number one is intense exercise therapy, and that's at least 45 minutes a day of aerobic activity, which means heart rate up and sweating. Number two is desensitization. A lot of these patients have pain to touch or allodynia. And so basically, if it hurts to touch something, rub something, massage something, that's what you should do. And they have to do that several times a day as well. It does not feel good. They basically have to inflict some pain upon themselves, but it retrains their nerves to recognize normal. And then we also talk a lot about addressing the emotional side of pain. So we rec typically recommend counseling for the majority of our patients to work on stress management skills so that pain does not continue to show up or so stress doesn't show up as pain. 
And then we also teach them relaxation breathing and talk about a variety of other relaxation skills. Most of my patients are type A perfectionistic pleasers, and they don't know the first thing about relaxation. Um, And so we really start trying to teach them those things. So a lot of patients can actually get better outpatient doing those therapies on an outpatient basis. So for kids who then fail outpatient therapies, and by the time they get to my clinic, I usually see the most severe kids, and they often need the RAPS program, which is an uh, basically the outpatient kind of paradigm on a much larger scale. Um, so the RAPS program is um, typically lasts uh, three to four weeks in a duration. Patients are here Monday through Friday from 7.30 to 4.30. They can get five hours a day of intensive physical and mm-hmm. occupational therapy to really push on that mm-hmm. functional piece, um, build their confidence, build endurance, build strength. They also get individual and group-based talk times with counseling throughout the week. We also teach them a lot of relaxation techniques through yoga, guided imagery, relaxation breathing, aromatherapy. And they also learn expressive coping with art and music. And so we have child life resources um, available as well. And the goal is to get patients functional um, in a relatively fast um, period of time. So like I said, most kids are here three to four weeks. And you have to be functional, basically, is what we work on to leave the program. So I don't promise that you leave pain-free, and some people even leave with pain exactly where it was. But they leave here functional, and when our patients leave here, they typically go back to school full-time, they go back to their sports. Their, Their goal is to get them back into life, into being a normal teenager. And when that happens, we continue to see pain decrease and go away over the following usually three to six months. Wow, that's amazing. You must you must develop some wonderful relationships with the patients uh, as well, huh? We have really unique relationships with our families. It's it's really neat. And so um, the program excuse me, has been in existence for about three years now, and it's neat. We get a lot of updates from kids that were here from the, you know, three years ago who are doing fantastic, oh, nice. and we have amazing success stories, and it's very gratifying. That's great. Dr. Hofford, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing, and thank you for coming on the show. You're listening to Transformational Pediatrics with Children's Mercy Kansas City. For more information, you can go to childrensmercy.org. That's childrensmercy.org. I'm Dr. Michael Smith. Thanks for listening.